two weeks left of Acts. We're going to move through this quickly today. And um, I want you to just look at your neighbor. And I just want you to tell them that uh, whether they believe it or not, there is purpose for who God has created them to be. Just look at that. You know, look at your neighbor. There's purpose. There is purpose. There's purpose. There's purpose. There's purpose. There is purpose. There's purpose. There's purpose. There is purpose. There is purpose for every one of you. But I was sharing with, uh, it's funny, we got talking the other night, some folks were over at the house, and the Lord showed me a remote control, and I looked at the remote control, and I don't know how many of you have ever had this before, remote controls that the back, the backs that are holding the batteries, they're missing. So you, then you put scotch tape on to no avail to hold them in place, but it never did. Well, see, that's in our, in, in our house, and and uh, we have two remote controls, one for the DVD player, one for the TV. And uh, each, each remote control takes uh, two double A's. problem is, right now I can only find three double A's. So what we do is we put two double A's in whatever remote we need at the moment, then flip one out. And anybody ever done that in any, any homes? As long as I know I'm not the only one. It is way more complicated, but that's what we do right now. You think we should just go buy another battery or something. But there uh, is a remote. And I picked it up and I said, this thing was created with purpose, wasn't it? This thing was created with purpose, has lots of buttons, looks really nice, can do great things. But without batteries in it, guess what? It's worthless. It's worthless. Now, that, that, that remote control can be a very fancy paperweight. That remote control can be thrown back and forth in the room amongst children when they know they shouldn't, make a game out of it. That remote control for even the young ones can make a great pretend telephone. But without batteries, without power, without a power source, that remote control will never be what it was intended to be. Who hears that? Will never be what it was intended to be. And look at me now, you will never be able to do what God meant for you to do without it. And so you're going to get frustrated, you're going to get angry, you're going to get perturbed because you are not being what God called you to be. So there's never a sense of fulfillment, there's never a sense of happiness, there's never a sense of joy, and it all just falls apart, and it's nasty, and then God gets the blame. So what's this got to do with the book of Acts? Well, let me tell you this. Folks, living the Christian life is impossible. I'm just going to say it again. Now, I'll get to the point in a second, but living the Christian life is impossible. In fact, being a godly man or a godly woman is impossible. All right, I got a few more eyes on me. That's good. Maybe I stirred you up a little bit. Being a godly husband and wife is impossible. Being a godly parent is impossible. Oh, for crying out loud, doing ministry is impossible. It is. It is impossible if we are trying to do it in our own strength. I'm going to tell you what. Pray the prayer to Jesus. Ask Him into your heart. But if you try to take one step beyond that on your own strength, it's going to be as bad as you think it's going to be. It's not going to amount to a hill of beans. In fact, we do a disservice 
for ourselves and to the Lord when we attempt to be Christians by name only. You say, but I try to do everything. I'm at Bible study, I'm at church, and I'm at this, I'm that. If you do not have the power source in you, you're going to fail and fail miserably. In fact, basically, you know what you're going to be? You're going to be a ship on dry land. Anybody ever seen a, a ship on dry land? Ever heard of that, 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 I think it's aerial sea out in the Middle East? Over the last 20 years, the thing was a massive, massive, bigger than the, one of the Great Lakes, several of the Great Lakes put together. It's, it was massive. And in the last 20 years, due to use of foreign air, irrigation and everything, it has shrunk to half its size. Seaside towns that were once right there on the sea, some of them are located as far as 60 miles away. The sea has so been drained, and there are huge boats and ships just sitting on dry ground. Without power, without a power source, we cannot do a blame thing. See, it was so much so, and anybody knew this, it was Paul. Now, you know Paul's one of the main characters in the book of Acts, right? Right? Okay, I'm just making sure y'all are a very summer-looking bunch today. You really are. You might have to come up and really get talk to you right in your face today to make sure that you're hearing. Uh, Paul knew this, and Paul had to come to a point by faith. Everybody say, by faith. Paul had to come to a point by faith that he could do everything God called him to do through Christ who strengthened. Paul also had to come to the conclusion that he couldn't do a blasted thing without him. He couldn't. Let me just quick straw poll, and then we get to the scriptures here, and then we're going to go. How many here realize that and have experienced time and time again that the more you try to make it happen, the more miserable you are? The more you try to make life work, the more unhappy you get. The more you try to convince God to walk a certain way and you try to push Him that way, <laughs> the more you fall flat on your face. But God, why? But God, why? But God, why? Why, why? Well, forget it then. The only hope for the journey that God's laid out for you is found in Galatians 2.20. You ready for this? I am crucified with Christ. In other words, I'm dead. Everybody say, I'm dead. I'm crucified with Christ, therefore I don't live anymore. It's Jesus living in me. In fact, when people see me, I'm trusting they don't see me. They see who lives within me. But that's not just a witness tool. That's not just to get more people excited about Jesus. If they don't see you, and, or, and if they don't see Jesus then it's pretty apparent that who's really in control at that point? You are, and the Christian life is pretty much darn impossible at that point. Jesus Christ has to live in you. Now what we're going to do is we're going to tackle here real fast. Acts 22, 23, 24, 25, and 26. Who's ready for that today? Well, I'm going to do it in five minutes or less. Now, don't hold me to it, but I'm going to do it my best. We're not going to tackle every verse. In fact, we're only probably tackle one, two verses per chapter. We got behind. That's okay. We're going to keep moving through this, and we'll knock out 27 and 28 next week. 
But let's just look here real fast. Now, I want you guys to understand, the book of Luke, Luke wrote Acts. We all know that. The book of Luke was about the mission and ministry of Jesus Christ. The book of Acts is about his church continuing that mission. Amen? Through the power of who? The Holy Spirit. That's what the book of Acts is about. Now, here's the thing. Here comes Paul. Paul knew ahead of time. Now, I, I want somebody to grab hold of this. Please don't miss this. Paul knew ahead of time, okay, that ministry was going to be difficult. Life was going to be difficult. The Christian walk was going to be difficult. He knew this ahead of time. So he couldn't just say, well, I didn't sign up for this. No, he knew ahead of time it was going to be difficult. We find that in Acts chapter 9, verse 16. Jesus says to Ananias, hey, this man's going to come to you. You're going to pray over him, and he needs to know how much he's going to suffer for me. You say, whoa, that's kind of rough. No, what, what, what was going on was, Paul, this is what's going to happen, but you're going to be able to do everything I ask you to do by the power of the Holy Spirit. So die to yourself and be filled by me and watch it happen. And here's the beautiful part. Do you know that Paul, sounds all like Jesus, Paul, and I, I know many other believers, chose to die to themselves that they, Jesus Christ may be glorified through him for the sake of others as well. It was never about him. So with threats of being in prison, of death, he continues to preach no matter what's going on. So maybe get your bulletin out. You can jot some notes down um, because we're, I'm just going to move very quickly today. Acts chapter 22. Remember chapter 21 I shared last week? Paul just began to, uh, he was in the temple. He was in Jerusalem. He just got there. People saw him there. They didn't like Paul because they, they thought he was a crazy man. Everybody say crazy man. Hey, you got to hold on to that. They, they thought he was a crazy man who was out trying to stir up trouble by using this name Jesus all over the place. And so they began, they set out to kill him. Here's this crowd. They're going to kill him. If it wasn't for the Romans stepping in, the Roman guards stepping in, he would have surely died. He, they stepped in. At that moment... Uh, Paul turns around to the main Roman guard and says, Hey, I'm a Roman citizen. The guard stops right in his tracks and says, What? He said, I had to buy my citizenship. He said, No, I was born naturally. I, I, Paul said, I was born naturally. I'm a Roman citizen. Well, see, back then in Roman, in Roman uh, uh, culture, the, the Romans, if you're a Roman citizen, you would not undergo torture. You would not undergo uh, any kind of terrible thing against you. You would just experience a trial. Well, see, what was going to happen, the Roman guard thought that Paul was trying to stir up trouble. They were going to take him and flog him and beat him and everything else. And But when they realized he's a Roman citizen, hold up, we've got to handle this guy a little bit differently. So after being beaten by that Jewish crowd, he declares to them, he says, I'd like to speak to this crowd. This huge Jewish crowd, maybe the one of the biggest crowds he's ever preached to, stands and says uh, that I, he was commissioned to preach salvation to the Gentiles. Well, guess what those people did? They said, kill him now. Kill him now. Now, here's Paul. I want you to think about this. Commissioned by Jesus, doing miracles left and right. How many think that Paul at some point is thinking, hey, when I preach, God's with me and people are going, lives are going to be changed. It's going to look good. Well, Paul just, God's with him. The Holy Spirit's using him, speaking through him. Paul speaks truth, and what happens? They want to kill him. Now, how many after that one experience would have already darted out the back door and said, I quit ministry? 
Okay, let's be honest today. Come on, shake off the sleeps. How many would have said, I quit ministering? I'm not doing it right. Something's the matter here. I quit. But Paul said, no. I'm not doing this. Why? Because, because he knew when he asked in verse 10 of Acts 22, Lord, what do you want me to do? When the Lord told him, what did Paul do? What did he do? Wow, you guys, you ready to just close up shop today? What did he do? He listened. He listened. He listened. He listened. He listened. See, the crowd wanted Paul dead, but that Roman guard intervened, and especially, uh, especially when Paul declared he was a Roman citizen. So we move over to Acts 23. What happens then? The Roman guard takes him before the Jewish council. Everybody say Sanhedrin. That's the religious Jewish council. They were made up of Pharisees and Sadducees. The Pharisees were the conservatives. The Sadducees were the liberals. That's basically how it went. The Pharisees believed that there was an afterlife, that God was going to move. The Sadducees didn't believe in anything. That's why they were sad, you see. I've heard that a million times. So he gets in there, he gets in there, and he tells the Jewish council. I mean, he just avoided getting killed from the Jewish crowd. Now he tells the Jewish council that he's on trial concerning the hope of the resurrection of the dead. Now, I don't think you understand something here. There was one thing that would set off the Pharisees and the Sadducees when you talked about the afterlife. The Pharisees believed in it, the Sadducees didn't. And guess what would put them in a bigger argument than ever before? You talk about the afterlife or the lack thereof, according to the Sadducees. And he said, I'm here to declare the hope of the resurrection of the dead. Well, suddenly it was Paul who, and it was the Sadducees versus the Pharisees, and they are going at it. And Paul basically was able to step back and let them look like a bunch of crazies. He caused such a, a, a dissension between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, so much so they actually let him go. But then... They were going to bring him back the next day to, to speak more with him, but it really was a plot to have him killed. But here again, he was protected by the Roman guard, and they sent him to the governor, Felix. His name was Felix. Now, I love what happened. While he was awaiting to be taken to Felix, this is what Jesus said. He walked up to Paul and said, yes, he walked up to Paul. He said, take courage. As you testified for me in Jerusalem, now you're going to testify for me in Rome. Now understand, very few came to know Christ in Jerusalem, but Jesus still wanted to be testified about. And so we can't just assume that everything's going to go honky-dory like we think it's supposed to. No, it's not always going to go that way. But we need to trust the Lord. So Acts 24, he gets before Felix, and he begins to share uh, here comes the lawyer accusing Paul before Felix. But Paul declared, hey, look, I just simply went to that temple in Jerusalem to worship, and these guys grabbed me, they accused me, they about killed me, then I, I had a chance to share with them, but that's all I did. Well, here's what's interesting. Felix was intrigued by what Paul was saying, so much so he felt like he was innocent, but you know what he did? He actually imprisoned Paul because he was intrigued by Paul and kept him in prison for two years and would periodically bring him back out of prison to talk with him and hear about what all was going on with his God of Paul's. 
Now, how many would say, well, that doesn't sound like very fair experiences in ministry, being imprisoned for two years just for the sake of this governor? How many would say ministry has failed? This isn't very fruitful. I'm sitting in prison two years. Why? 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 Guess what he did? He shared the gospel with Felix. Acts 25. Felix is no longer the governor after two years. A guy named Festus. Great Roman party here. Festus arrives. He summons Paul. He shares a bit of the same. He enjoys what he's hearing. And he he, uh, says, why don't I just take you back to Jerusalem? We'll just have a trial there because Festus is feeling like Paul's going to get off. You hear me? He feels like Paul's going to get off. Guess what? Paul says, nope, I appeal to Caesar. I'm going to Rome, baby. Not going to Disney World, I'm going to Rome. And because of Roman law, when a Roman citizen appealed to Caesar, guess what happened? You had to. He's going to Rome. Why is that? Because he trusted the Lord's leading. He was empowered to stand firm in the midst of this. Festus arrives. He summons Paul. Paul appeals to Caesar. So Festus didn't know what to do with this crazy guy. What's this guy's deal? He could be free. So he brings his friend King Agrippa over. He says, hey, come on over here. Bring your wife over here. Listen to this Paul guy. I don't know quite what to do with him. Listen to what he has to say. And help me decide what charges to bring. So Acts 26 has Paul standing before Agrippa. And and, and Paul says, look, O king, I opposed the name of Jesus forever, you know. But then he appeared to me, and even though I had treated him like garbage, he made me his witness. Even though I opposed him, he turned around and said, now I'm going to use you, I'm going to empower you, I'm going to use you as my witness. Agrippa said that the man could have been free had he had not appealed to Caesar. So King Agrippa imprisons him, determines Saul is innocent, but has to send him to Rome. Now you look at Paul. Paul, you are crazy. Why would you do that? Paul, why didn't you just get yourself out of hot water? Why didn't you just take the easy way out? Why? Because when he said, Lord, what shall I do? Not only was he going to take hold of all the blessing, all the power, all the glory of God, but also the suffering that comes with it. See, if you're not willing to take the suffering that comes with a walk with the Lord, Jesus made it clear. Don't put your hand in the plow and look back. The man that puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. That's pretty rough business, isn't it? You say, well, what does that mean? You put your hand to the plow. Get, do the work God's called you to. If you keep looking back, you keep looking back at everything else, you keep saying, no, I don't want to keep doing this. I don't want to keep doing this. Or, or I need to go bury my father. The man said to Jesus, Jesus said, look, let the dead bury the dead. You do what I've called you. Well, how do I do that? I'll empower you. I'll give you strength. I'll move in you in amazing ways. You say, so how did Paul, you know, Paul was crazy, but what did he do? I want you to look at the craziness of Paul beyond this. 
here is this, this Jewish crowd wants to kill him. He spoke to them with love. Here is this governor, Festus, and another governor, Felix. He treated them with love. This Jewish council treated him terrible. In fact, the high priest had men around him punch Paul in the face. Treated them with love. How did he do that? Because it wasn't Paul in control. Had it been Paul in control, what would Paul have done? Broken out some serious kung fu moves. Any kung fuers in this place? If it was up to you, you would have taken some people out. Praise God, it's not up to you. The Holy Spirit moving through Paul gave him the ability to love those who persecuted him. Isn't that what the word says? Bless those who persecute you. Pray for those who despitefully use you. There is no way to do that unless the Holy Spirit empowers you to. You can't do it. You can't do it without him. And despite Paul's utter conviction that he was right, how many knew know that Paul must have been sitting around going, what if they only knew? Paul knew he was right. Paul knew he was correct. Paul knew that, hey, God is God. Jesus is the Messiah. I know it for a fact. I mean, Jesus talked to him, and then he's trying to tell other people, and they're acting like he's crazy. He was so convicted that Jesus was who he said he was. And yet, you know what? People would slap him. People would yell at him. They wanted to kill him. And all he did was keep doing what God called him to do. And I love these people, and I'm going to speak to these people as if it's Jesus speaking directly to them. If there's any character in the Word that I see turning the other cheek, that was a man, it was Paul. Paul turned the other cheek constantly. You say, oh, but that's so lame, so sissy to turn, turn the other cheek. Folks, it's the most disarming way to share Jesus. You say, what are you talking about? Somebody wants to strike you in the other cheek, this side of the cheek. What happens when they think, they think they got you, they got control over you. You turn the other side and say, hey, you can do all you want. I'm still going to be Jesus to you. I'm still going to share love with you. So do what you want. Give me your best shot. You're not going to stop me. I'll never forget 1996. Dad got run over. Who remembers that? <laughs> 1996, my dad got run over by a car. Trying to be healthy. And he got unhealthy real quick. Almost dies. After a period of time, rehab, he ends up, he, he finally gets to go on a big trip with my, my mom. They're going up some steps. He falls and breaks his wrist. Has to go through that rehab. And then a couple months later, he's on the Bay Bridge. Anybody been on the Bay Bridge in Maryland over the humongous bridge? Right at the very top, Dad decides to hit an oil slick and rear-end the car right in front of him in rush hour. Well, the police show up after removing all the cars and everything. Dad's just laughing, you know. Oh, man, could this year get any worse? The police run his license and look at him and says, Sir, I'm going to have to arrest you because you were driving without a license. They had taken his license away for getting run over, and Richmond, even though all the paperwork had been done, had never notified whoever. So they put Dad in the back of a police car and take him down to the, to the jail. I don't think there was somebody very happy with my dad. I think the enemy had had enough with him and was doing everything he could to shut him down. But there's some words that my dad has said during that year. I thought, 
you know, they are, they are true, and I wish I could take, I, I had taken hold of them better many times. He said, finally I got a point, to a point, I looked the devil in the face and said, is this all you got? Is this all you got? Because I'm not budging. Now, was that Jim Chapel talking? That, had it been Jim Chapel talking, he would have broke out his kung fu moves. I'd like to see that today, huh? He would have broke out his kung fu moves. No, he surrendered and said, not my will be done, but your will be done. When we walk that, we have the batteries placed in us. We have the power placed in us to look the enemy in the face and say, is that all you've got? Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. But that is only true when he really is in you. The remote control can say, greater is the power source in me than the, the air around me. But if there's no batteries in the remote, that's not true. So if you are not walking with the Lord and you are not filled with the Lord and you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to fill you, folks, you can quote, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. To your blue in the face, the enemy is going to have a heyday with you. Because you are incapable of living the Christian life on your own. Paul was incapable of doing any of this on his own, and yet look at how many dignitaries he was able to preach to, how many higher-ups of leadership he was able to preach to, simply because he was a crazy man who refused to let the enemy take him out. He refused to let the enemy take him out. Here's the funny part. Paul wasn't even a man of extraordinary courage. You know that? He wasn't... I think Paul, early on, was probably a real arrogant, pompous jerk. Thought he knew everything. But he wasn't a man of extraordinary courage, but the Holy Spirit gives us the courage we need to do our to do work, and, and, and he gave Paul that courage. Paul knew it was the Holy Spirit that was keeping him going. He wasn't timid. No, the Holy Spirit said, you just speak the truth in love. Whatever Jamie Henderson wants to bring on, let him bring it on. I'm still going to speak the truth in love. Whatever person wants to get angry, whatever life wants to throw at me, I'm still going to speak the truth in love. His spirit, uh, the, the Holy Spirit empowered demeanor. His surrender to the Holy Spirit won hearings with all those, all those leaders. Open doors left and right. How many people, I'm going to ask you this, how many people are constantly trying to find a doorway to walk through just to get out the other side of your situation? And every time you get up and your hand goes to push the door, it doesn't open. How many have been there before? You can't open any door, folks. You're incapable of opening doors. Oh, the enemy will try to think, get, get you to think you've opened a door, but oftentimes those doors lead to what? Temporary fix till you get more miserable than you were before. God, where were you? Well, I was back here where you were before you took off on me because you thought you knew better. Now stop looking for the doors and let me open them up for you. I'll show you the right door to go through. That's what he did with Paul. How many of us would go through the suffering just so Jesus could open the right doors? <sighs> Only the Holy Spirit can do that in us. Only the Holy Spirit can do that in us. 
So we had lots of people that vilified Paul, threatened Paul. But as Paul submitted to the Holy Spirit, the Lord opened door after door where there should have been none. I'm just going to tie it up here in these five books here, these five chapters. And, and, and if you haven't caught anything else I've said, just listen to this. Letting the Holy Spirit be in control of your life is your choice. Can you just point at yourself just real quick? It's your choice. It's not my choice. It's not the person's next to you's choice. It's your choice. Letting the Holy Spirit control you is your choice. They say, well, what does that look like? Well, I'm going to tell you what. I've seen, I've seen drunk people in my life. I can guarantee that drunk person did not get drunk by carrying, open, carrying around unopened cases of beer. I can guarantee you that person did not get drunk walking down the beer aisle at the grocery store. No, there's only one way you got drunk. You consumed the alcohol. Now, the word's very clear. It says this. Don't get drunk on alcohol. Get drunk in the spirit. I can guarantee you, you can have 50 translations of the Bible and go to 50 prayer meetings a week and be surrounded by hundreds of Christians. And if you are not consuming, you are not consuming everything the Lord has to say. How do I do that? Well, start with His Word. Consume His Word. Don't just let it sit pretty next to you. Don't just read it for what it is. Consume it. Let it get in there. If you got I've told people before, and I, 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 don't, I do this sometimes, you know. Take one verse and read it for a week. I would much rather you take hold of one verse and let it get into your heart than you memorize 50 verses that just stay up here and you never live them. Consuming it is when it gets hold of your heart and you live it. And how does that happen? The Holy Spirit is in there and says... This is what this means. Now I want it to change your life. All right, Holy Spirit, change my life with it. Change my life with it. No weapon formed against me will prosper. Do I really believe that? Or do I freak out every time something bad goes on? Oh, what does that mean? No weapon formed against me will prosper. What does that mean, Lord? What does that mean? It means you need to do what I said in Exodus. I will fight for you. You just need to sit still. And let me do it. But I don't like that. i got to take care of myself. Well, that's your problem. So right now you just memorized a verse and you didn't do anything about it, though. Take hold of it. We've got to consume the Word of God. We've got to consume it. Let it be. John 15 is very clear. It says, as I, as you abide in me, I will abide in you. As you press into me, what's the Lord doing? Filling you. He's right there. Close. As you continue to press in, no matter what's going on around you, you keep pressing in, what's going to happen? And that's what Paul did. That's what Paul did. It's the only thing that got him through. So as a person who believes, quote unquote, we can be surrounded by all sorts of the right things, but if we don't take hold, if we're not being led, if we're not being empowered by the Holy Spirit, it means nothing. So here's the bottom line. When we stop trying to figure it out, I'm as guilty as you. When we stop trying to figure it out, when we stop aiming for our will and goals, when we stop being led by our feelings and opinions and start consuming God's word and revelation and surrendering to him, only then do we find ourselves living what we couldn't before. 
That's the only time. So I'm going to ask you right now, if I walked up to you and I said, how would you like to live the life God wants for you? Well, I kind of already am. How's that? Tell me how you do that. I go to church. I read my devotions. I try to be a good person. I try to do the right things. Folks, that's not being consumed by the Holy Spirit. Now, the better answer would be this. When I open my Bible up, I ask the Holy Spirit to show me what in the world I'm doing. And to take it from here and cram it in here until it becomes me. And I become him. And when I come to church, I'm not here to sit in a pew. When I come to church, I'm not here just to socialize. And when I come to church, I'm not here just because I do it every Sunday. I'm here to worship God Almighty and encourage my brothers and sisters because they need him as much as I need him. Amen. And I've stopped a long time ago trying to be a good person because I can't. So all I can do is say, I surrender all because if I don't, we're all in trouble. I need you, Lord. I got a terrible, terrible anger problem. And the more I focus on my anger problem, the worse it gets. And the more I hate it, the worse it gets. And that's why the Lord said, well, fix your eyes on me. I have grace. I love you. Even when you don't love you, I love you. That's why I sent my only son to die for you. I love you. Get your eyes fixed upon me that I can then set you free. You get in there trying to do it on your own, you done failed. You failed. And I know enough of you here are fixers. Hello. I know enough of you out there that are trying to do it. Hello. I'm right in there with you. We formed our club. It's called a We Fail at Life Club. Anybody a part of the club with me? Oh, come on. I heard somebody the other day send out a, a Facebook. Facebook's so interesting, animal. I tell you, even after all these years, this person, it's official today, I have failed at life. Now, it was meant to be this, you know, life's over, blah, 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 blah. And I sat there thinking, huh, praise God. They finally see it. We finally see we failed at life. That's why we need Jesus. That's why we need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Because otherwise we fail at life. That's why Jesus said, I came that you might have. Because he knew you couldn't have it otherwise. So, wrapping up with Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the Spirit is this. Love. Who wants love? Joy. Who wants joy? Peace. Who wants peace? Patience. Kindness. Goodness. Gentleness. Self-control. Has anybody tried to be loving before? <laughs> anybody tried to be loving to your enemy because you know God wanted you to? And you got up there, and the moment you got up there, you got this cocking ready, and you totally made it worse. Yeah. Anybody tried to make yourself joyous? Anybody? Yeah, and you only end up depressed, don't you? Anybody tried to be peaceful about something, and you're, you only end up worried? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm talking about. No, you can't make yourself do any of those things. The one thing you can do is say, I can't, but he can. I couldn't, but he did. 
I failed and succeeded. I once was lost. Now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. I want your love. I want your joy. I want your peace. I need patience, kindness, goodness. I want it to come flowing out of me, and I can't. It's not even in there to come out of me unless you're in here, Lord. And crucified with Christ, I no longer live. Jesus lives within me. Let's bow our heads. There are people here today, I believe, all over this sanctuary that are tired of trying. You're tired of trying. Stop it. <laughs> You're tired of trying. That's why Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me, those of you who are tired, and I'll give you rest. Just take hold of that just for a moment. You mean, God, you don't expect me to get this all right? Absolutely not, or you wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't need God if we could get it all right. So, Lord, you really are the only thing that can empower me to fulfill what you've made me for? Yes, that's it, exactly. So what do I do now? I surrender to the fact that there's nothing that I can do in my own strength to make anything happen, but that God can do great things through me as I surrender to Him. Lord, I want to thank you for every person here today. And I pray the Lord they would take hold of the fact that God, without you, we can do nothing. But praise be to God, I can do all things through Christ who's in me, strengthening me. Lord, I just pray today myself, others would take hold of this truth looking at how Paul walked from one thing to the next in the midst of difficulty and suffering, and yet God used him because he chose to walk being led and filled and empowered by the Spirit, not by his feelings, not by his strength, not by his abilities, but by you, God. So I just pray that over everyone. And I, I do, I take authority over any lying spirit that wants to speak to you and tell you that you can do this on your own. You can't. We've, many of us have been down this road. You can't. But God can. I pray this over everyone here today in the name of Jesus. Open our hearts. And I take authority over the cloud that wants to uh, settle itself over the congregation here at White Hill. There's been a lot of illness. There's been a lot of attack. There's been a lot of um, destruction. Has anybody seen that lately? Anybody sense that with me lately? Satan, is that all you got? In the name of Jesus, we take authority over you lying enemy. And what we declare now, and church, congregation, I need you to declare this with me. We surrender to God Almighty. We surrender today. And we again lay our lives before you, thanking you, God, that you are greater than he that is in the world. And we, tell you, we ask you to lead us. We thank you for leading us. We thank you for opening every door. And we, in Jesus' name, tell that cloud of lie and deceitfulness and destruction it must go in Jesus' name.
to God be the glory. Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' holy name and all God's people said. Hey, let's just stand and hug some people around you. Thank you.